Chelsea Fairless and welcome back to the first every outfit podcast episode of 2024. I'm so excited to see you like I feel like I haven't seen you in months. It was weeks which is a very long stretch for us. Yeah how are you doing? How was your Christmas? Um good chill. I stayed in Los Angeles which I know what a privilege that is not to have to travel during the holidays so I really appreciated that. But I also like put a list together of like, I'm going to be a tourist in my city. I'm going to do all this shit. And that promptly did not happen. Oh my God, why? That's so dumb. We shouldn't do anything. (laughs) Well, that's what I ended up doing. (laughs) See anything. (laughs) Yeah. Plan A was to actually go to museums and restaurants and be productive. And plan B, which is what really happened is I did the bare minimum. But that's nice, right? It is. It is. So did Paul's parents come here? No, they came here for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if they were coming back for Christmas. So it was just you and your parents. It was just me and my parents. And again, as I was made aware by all of my friends and their holidays, I do understand the other privilege of living in the city that your parents live in so that we could do holiday-related stuff and then I could fuck off and sleep in my bed and drink on the couch by myself for hours at a time. That seems very out of character for you. I'm just saying. (laughs) It sounds more like me. (laughs) Well, as we'll get into it, the little that I know about our New Year's, we did swap roles. (laughs) How was your Christmas? It was good. I truly feel like a nomad. I have been all over the state of California. I went up to Northern California, to Arcata, to visit my parents, spent time with them, spent time with grandma. When we did our Christmas episode recently, the VIP episode, you asked if I had any holiday traditions. And I completely forgot about the fact that my parents have this insane solstice party called the burning of the bitch, where they burn this female effigy made out of sticks. And it's like this huge burn pile. Like they save up the yard waste for an entire year. And then we all like throw little pieces of paper into the fire and like, It's stuff we're stressed out about or stuff we want to leave behind. So that was cute. Yeah, what's crazier is you have told me about this. You've sent me videos of this. And I, too, also forgot that this happened. Well, it's because I think it was like an early Trump administration type thing that they started doing. Like, they didn't do this when I was a child. Oh. You know? Like, it's not like... I feel like they've been doing it for the past eight years or so at this point. Right. And depending on how this year goes, they'll be continuing the tradition (laughs) as well. Indefinitely. But yeah, then we drove down to the wine country and met up with Tat and her parents. Had an Airbnb Christmas, which I've never had before. But it was delightful. Would you recommend? With both sets of parents, too. Yeah. It was good. We picked a good Airbnb. Although... We were only there for three days, so I felt like we were just loading and unloading the car the entire time because we cooked like a full-ass Christmas feast and like had a Christmas tree and like did all of that shit and like we all had to bring all the presents and it was kind of a logistical nightmare, but it was fine. 
Yeah, you're making me appreciate how low-key my Christmas was. We went to Mr. Chow on Christmas Eve, which I've only done a handful of times, and it is lovely, but I've always discussed that there is a private room that you can see. So there's, right, there's the main Mr. Chow room with the black and white checkered board, and then there's a, a side room. And in that side room, if you look up, you can see that there is a glass-walled private room on the second floor. And I remember the first time I went there on Christmas Eve, I was like, that is so cool. Because the people up there were in pajamas, they were exchanging presents. I was like, that looks so fun. And this time I was like, I wonder if it's the same people. And it wasn't. There was this really cool, elegant woman deep in conversation with a blonde woman and I kept looking up and I kept being like, I think that's Angelica Houston. And then she looked right at me and I was like, that is Angelica Houston and I must get a photo for Chelsea, which I immediately <laughs> sent you. But what I didn't tell you was right after I took that photo, Angelica Houston, her friend, just looked down for a good three minutes. So clearly she And was then security dragged you <laughs> yeah. out. Speaking of ill-fated trying to be a tourist in your own city, I did decide on December 28th not to be a lazy piece of shit. And I, Paul's never been to the Huntington out in San Marino, which is a little past Pasadena. It's the Beverly Hills of the East. It's where Steve Martin's character from Father of the Bride lives. Um, I've never heard of her. You gotta go. But don't go right after Christmas. So I got time tickets. You have to get time tickets to go to the Huntington, which has a museum, a research library, and all of these insane gardens. And as we're driving up, it looks like fucking Six Flags. And I was like, oh, everyone decided to do this at once. And Paul and I looked at each other, and I feel like this is a big moment in our relationship. We both were like, not worth it. And we just turned around. No, I can't wait in a line. And what especially drives me crazy is the lines in front of stores now. Like even I went to Carmel during my California road trip. Just wanted to go into some designer consignment shop because I was like, oh, there's lots of old Republican bitches that live here. Like there's probably something fab. I'm not waiting to go into like the real real of Carmel. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. When right, there's right. like two people in the store and a security guard. No. Well, also that volume of people let us know that it wasn't going to be a chill experience once we even got in yeah and that's one of the joys about being a degenerate podcaster is we'll just go on a Wednesday <laughs> when everyone's back at work but I realized because afterwards we were just driving around and then we did uh so we threw a New Year's Eve party we were doing New Year's Eve party prep and like we passed by the Costco and that was filled and I was just like oh the 28th was the day that either people got back from visiting their family or people's families are still there and they're like fuck it, like, we need something to do. They had already seen Wonka. What else are they going to see? <laughs> Take the kids to see poor things? I think not. I saw Wonka. Did you see Wonka? No, I did not. <laughs> but I saw a bunch of other things, which we'll get into in, in a little bit. How was your New Year's? Because there was talk of maybe you and Tat dropping by our New Year's Eve party, but you had other plans. Well, her parents are in town, so we just did a late dinner at Sunset Tower and then got home like two seconds before the ball dropped, essentially. No, no, no. You made the right choice. Was your party that bad? No, it wasn't. I just that it lasted probably an hour or two longer as people were just trying to desperately get Ubers and couldn't. Ugh. See, that's so bad. I hate that. That's what I hate about New Year's. I hate amateur drinking holidays in general, but like New Year's is especially annoying. Everyone always feels like there's somewhere better that they should be. Like I've had so many New Year's where you just hop from party to party to place to place and it's all shit. And then you end up spending $500 on an Uber. Yeah, I will say, I think we're getting to a certain age where everyone was happy just to be in one location. 
I had this idea of having just like, I love hors d'oeuvres, just a bunch of hors d'oeuvres out and nothing got eaten. This was very much, people were like, I'm here to drink. I'm not here to eat anything to soak this alcohol up. Like, let's fucking go. Oh, you were like Cher and mermaids. No one wants your <laughs> shitty hors d'oeuvres. We did make a batch Cosmo because if you remember, Chelsea, we did a promo for Cointreau two years ago <laughs> and they gave us a dozen Cointreau bottles that I'm still working through. So once a quarter, I must have a gathering that has some Cointreau-based batch drink. Yeah, I feel like I still have some Cointreau too. But it's like it's multiplying. I was like, surely we used a whole <laughs> bottle of Cointreau and I'm like, how do I still have nine bottles of Cointreau? <sighs> and then I was just dead January 1st. Yeah, see, and I wasn't hungover for the first time in my adult life. I woke up at noon, and when we texted on New Year's Day, you went, I woke up early and went to a lash appointment at 11 a.m. Who's doing lashes New Year's Day? It was a Monday. (laughs) Independent contractors, Lauren. People that don't have the benefits of, like, bank holidays and shit. Also, I honestly, it makes me sick. It makes me disgusted thinking about people that have to work between Christmas and New Year's. It should be illegal. There should be laws against it. But isn't that the move is just to quote-unquote work between Christmas and New Year's because there's nothing going on? Well, if you hate your family, I guess. You're like, I love my family, so... I just think it's cruel and unusual, and my thoughts and prayers go out to any fuckettes that were affected by this tragedy. And also affected by us not having a new episode. We're sorry we weren't there for you. Well, we did release an episode. It just was old. (laughs) We have to do it sometime. We do it once a year during Christmas. We, We maybe do it a few more times than that, but yeah, sure. Whatever. Also, over the holidays, we announced we're going on tour. Oh, yeah. We are going to, where are we going? Boston, New York, Philly. DC. And what's the other one? Oh, Pittsburgh. It's kind of scary having announced this tour since we have no idea what we're actually doing. Like, what is this show? What? Don't tell them that. (laughs) We had to describe what the show was in the event description. Like, I honestly don't know if we're doing like a fucked up PowerPoint presentation or like sketch comedy. Like, I'm actually concerned. You know what would be amazing? If we just got red feather boas and did the vagina monologues like all the way through. (laughs) Just committing to a bit. <laughs> the fuckheads in the audience are like, I mean, surely they're going to like talk about the feud between Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker, right? At some point. <laughs> but yeah, please come. We'll figure something out, surely. And we are actively discussing more dates. West Coast, yes. Europe, Australia. We're coming to you all in 2024, except the places we don't get to. And we apologize. Yeah, sorry about that. Another exciting thing, the internet's mother, newly anointed mother, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, has been released from prison. So did we not have a podcast when the act came out? No, we did. We definitely discussed the act. Did we? I don't remember talking about it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, I could have sworn that the act came out in 2021. It came out in 2019. So, yes, we did not discuss the act. Honestly, who would have thought that Patricia Arquette would be slaying all of these limited series? Like, between that and Escape from Danamora, like, our girl is killing it. And Severance, which may or may not come back for a second season. So it might be a limited series. I hope that comes back. She was so amazing in that. Truly. Like, the Gypsy Rose. (laughs) 
That's what it sounded like to me anyway. She really humanized that monster of a woman. Anyway, released from prison on December 28th after serving eight years of a 10-year second-degree murder sentence for the death of her abusive mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, Gypsy Rose Blanchard has now tasted freedom. In a week of freedom, Blanchard has gotten new shoes, listened to Taylor Swift's karma on repeat, was told by her parole officer to leave the state of Missouri even though she had bought tickets to the Sunday's Chiefs games in hopes of meeting Taylor Swift, started a TikTok... So she's still crazy. <laughs> started a TikTok and most recently clapped back at haters on the app defending her husband by commenting... Wait, she has a husband? Did she meet him in jail or is it her boyfriend from like back in the day? Oh, no, no, no. Not, uh, not the person who is in prison for life for killing Dee Dee Blanchard. No, she had a pen pal. Actually, I believe she had several pen pals, a previous fiance in jail. This is a second fiance who she ended up marrying. She clapped back at haters saying, Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you and you love me. We do not owe anyone anything. Our family is who matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If you get hate, then whatever, because they don't matter. They don't matter in all caps. I love you. Besides, they jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I Did said Did she it. say they jealous or they are jealous? No, she wrote they jealous. <laughs> Had to clarify. They jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Fire emoji. Happy wife. Happy life. Yikes. Yeah, we might be canceling mother <laughs> by, <laughs> by the end of Q1 this year. Well, whatever. I'm glad that she's out of jail. Like, clearly that woman deserved some karma, as Taylor Swift would say. You know, many people, we're not going to do our predictions for 2024. Many others have done it much better than we ever could. But it's like, yeah, it, I'm seeing a caller Daddy appearance, a Dancing with the Stars offer, a Marc Jacobs Heaven campaign in her future. God willing. Beyond this Gypsy Rose drama, I'm curious to know like what you have been like watching and like tuning into because I feel like I've been off the grid. I mean, there's so many things I could talk about in TikTok worlds. There's Suburban Mine Lady. There's a woman in Virginia who decided to just build an underground tunnel in her home. This TikTok has been going for about a year and everyone thought she was amazing. And then we swiftly canceled her because an investigative reporter found out that she lives next to migrants who were scared to report on the noise pollution. And what everyone believed was like, oh, she lives on a ton of land. She lives on a quarter of an acre in a suburban neighborhood. So she's tunneling underneath people's homes. And people were like, she's an engineer. Chell, she's a fucking software engineer. She is basically actively creating a sinkhole in her own neighborhood. Wow. But you know what? The girl has a dream. I did see a bunch of movies over the holidays. Where would you like me to start? Because I saw Ironclaw, Eileen, Ferrari, and Maestro. Okay, well, I don't want to talk about Eileen because I am going to watch that and I want to talk about it with you. I'm reading the book right now. All right, we'll save that for another week. Should I start with Maestro? Sure. Maestro, which is on Netflix. I saw a tweet that was like, if we let Bradley Cooper win Best Actor, which is what he so desperately wants for Maestro, we get Hangover 4. And if we don't let him win an Oscar for Maestro, do you know what insane method actor shit he's going to do on the next one <laughs> to make sure he gets an Oscar? Maestro, which is about the life and career of Leonard Bernstein, or I guess it 
is supposed to be, but it is a film that's kind of not about anything. It's not really... I love those movies, though. Then you'll love this movie. (laughs) It's not really about his career. It's not about relationships. It's not about him living as a, a gay man or a bisexual in a world that doesn't understand. It's as if... And I don't doubt that Bradley Cooper did, as he has said, six years of research... Like, he says he spent six years just practicing for, was it, six or ten minutes of Leonard Bernstein conducting Mahler. Right. Was he as good as Kate Blanchett in Tar, though? Tar's better, baby. <laughs> we need to, okay, we might need to do a VIP Tar episode because I need to rewatch it. I think it's the best film ever made, possibly. And I think I was incorrect when I talked about it the first time. Of course you were incorrect. <laughs> I told you at the time, I was like, this is like the worst take anyone's ever had, but okay, I love you and support you regardless. But I think that Bradley Cooper cared about this project so much and did so much research that the pendulum swung back the other way and was sort of like, well, I know this. We, we don't need to focus on this. We don't need to focus on that. No, I get what you're saying. With biopics, it's hard because you don't know how much of an understanding of the situation the audience actually has. I did have to turn the film off. I watched it in two shifts. When the fourth extreme wide shot happened in the film which is such a weird self-conscious choice that it really feels like he was like this is artsy like many scenes exist in a one take of a master shot where you can't see anyone okay this sounds like fab but how was the prosthetic nose okay it is some of the best prosthetics i've ever seen because it's the guy that made charlie's there and look like megan kelly like he is the best wow the nose is fine the nose is like you don't notice it's subtle. The more impressive thing is when he's old Bernstein, the neck. Because that's where like old people prosthetics fuck up. Is like it's all it's hard. Yeah. It's very soft. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a crazy scene at the end where he's old Leonard Bernstein dancing shirtless with a young student of his where you're like, all right. And then that's it. That's it. You're just selling me on this <laughs> film. I don't I don't see what the problem is with any of this. Uh, Will you tell me how Wonka was? Because I'm never going to see it. I thought it was delightful, but it would be your 13th reason, for sure. Like, the opening shot is Willy Wonka clinging to, like, this masthead of a CGI boat, like, breaking into song about, like, how much he loves chocolate and shit. It is a children's film, first and foremost. I think that Timothée isn't the world's greatest singer. Like, he's not about to do this on Broadway, but he's so charismatic that he pulls it off. Speaking of which, have you heard that he is playing Bob Dylan in a biopic? Yes, I have. (laughs) We need to stop making biopics. I mean, but kind of major, right? It's major in terms of like their jawlines are both so extreme that I can totally see that. But the idea of our boy being like, Johnny's in the basement mixing up the medicine is like the most insane thing in the world to me. I mean, the only way to do a biopic is to do it the way that Todd Haynes did with I'm Not There. Well, yes, that's the ultimate Dylan movie. Although I feel like I liked I'm Not There, but some parts were better than others. Like the Kate Blanchett part was obviously the highlight, right? Yeah, I did love the Heath Ledger, Charlotte Gainsbourg era. Me too, me too. The amazing I Want You montage, so good. And I feel like that movie was really made for like, 
true Bob Dylan heads. Like, I'm not one of them. I feel like probably someone like Sean Marshall is the only person that actually fully understands I'm not there. But, like, I respect <laughs> that he made it for the fans, you know? I just think Timothée's career is so interesting. Like, this is a Warner Brothers film. He's also the lead of their other big temple film, Dune, which... The sequel will be coming out this year. I read some article that he said a few years ago, Leonardo DiCaprio pulled him aside. It was like, don't do superhero films. So it seems like he is following in the Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm never going to do like a Marvel or DC film trajectory, which makes a lot of sense. But like a musical is odd. Yes, but my main fear was that he was going to act like a young version of the Johnny Depp Wonka, which he didn't. He okay. made Wonka his own. But the true star of this <laughs> Sorry, film... that's just so funny to say. He made Wonka <laughs> his own. No, the true star of this film was Hugh Grant. Of course. Who served cunt as that Oompa Loompa. I'm telling you, it was delightful. And yes, he did sing the Oompa Loompa song. I'll just wait for someone to do a, a Hugh Grant Oompa Loompa edit on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, I went with my grandmother. You know, it's it's a family movie. But there obviously are going to be more because the last scene of this movie, Hugh Grant as Oompa Loompa and Timothy walk into what will become the chocolate factory. So I assume that they are in this for, you know, a minimum of two other films. I mean, I think what they really want to do, which seems to be Hugh Grant's nightmare going by this press tour, is just, you know how despicable me they made the, oh, fuck, what are those things called? The Minions? Yes, they made a Minions film. I think they just want to do like an Oompa Loompa film. Yeah. An Oompa Loompa side adventure. Honestly, they should. Hugh Grant is so delightful. I love him so much. I would see him do anything. I will see any movie that he's in, regardless of quality. Speaking of a film that some might see as a family film, but oh my God, is it not, is The Iron Claw. I also just shit on biopics, but this is kind of a biopic. Wait, this is the Zac Efron one where he's a wrestler? Yes, this is based on the Von Erich brothers. I went in knowing nearly nothing other than that this was going to be a very, very sad film. And it is very sad. It is a film about toxic masculinity, overbearing fathers, and the tragic end of a lot of the Von Erich brothers' lives. So tragic that when I went to the Wikipedia, there was a third brother who had killed himself that wasn't included. And I went, oh, because if there was one more suicide in this film, I would have left the theater. And then I looked at an interview with the director and he was like, yeah, I don't think we would have gotten the audience back if we had included that. Like the true story. Is actually way crazier than what was portrayed in the film. That's so depressing. How was Zach Efron, though? He was very good. I've also seen an online campaign of like, let's not nominate Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Like, maybe let's nominate Zach Efron, and I would love to see it. Well, did he get a Golden Globe nomination, Zach Efron? I don't think so, but I feel like a lot of this kind of whisper campaign only started a week and a half ago for him. Good for him. I wish I had seen more fun shit, but like I've just been with my family and Tat's family and like none of these people are like, let's see poor things. Like let's see Eileen. Like I've literally been watching episodes of Young Shelton with my family. And you know what? Not bad. Wow. You might have been with your family a little too long. No, I mean, it's been on for many years. I assume it, it is decent enough if it's lasted this long. Honestly, it's pretty delightful. Like the character that plays Young Shelton, bear in mind, I've 
never seen the Big Bang Theory, so I have no context for this at all. But like this kid is a little bitch and I respect him for that. And he's smart. He does his parents' taxes. It's very charming. Do you see yourself in this character? Yes. Not in the intelligence so much as the having highly specific interests as a child. When you first texted me about this, and I'm noticing you're doing it now, you do know that it's young Sheldon and not Shelton like Blake Shelton, right? No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but have you seen The Big Bang Theory? I've seen episodes. Is Kaylee Cuoco his sister? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you'll enjoy this Laurie Metcalf in the Big Bang Theory is his mom oh that's cute yeah I do enjoy that although incorrect casting for the younger version of Laurie Metcalf but whatever although the mom is excellent in the show she's a real highlight now be honest are you going to continue watching Young Sheldon I mean, maybe I'll hit rock bottom and continue watching Young Shelton. I might. I might. If I just need to have something on. I love how you're like, no one wanted to see Eileen with me. No one wants to see poor things. Bitch, my parents don't want to see that either. Do you know what I ended up seeing with my parents? Ferrari. (laughs) So wait, it's about the race car guy? Uh, It is about Enzo Ferrari. Yes, the former race car driver who started... Ferrari. And I keep saying it this way because the only Italianness in this film is when someone goes, Ferrari. <laughs> or. And Adam Driver is the Ferrari. Uh, Adam. <laughs> Adam Driver is a transformer and turns into, he goes from Enzo into a Ferrari. It's crazy. Okay, fuck you. No, yes, he plays Enzo Ferrari. The second Italian he's playing, I do love me some Adam Driver. He is not good at it. He was not good as Maurizio. Oh, he was fine. Come on. He was fine. He did what he needed to do. It does exist in that kind of Barry Lyndon Amadeus world where everyone is just showing up with their accent or doing or speaking English with a light Italian accent, which is right. what Adam Driver is doing. There are only two very Italian words, and one is Ferrari, and the other is when anyone speaks to the Penelope Cruz character and they go Lara. <laughs> Other- okay, you're not selling me on this. I will absolutely never see this. Oh, no, this is not a film for you. I mean, this is a film for my family. We've got Adam Driver, who I love. We've got Michael Mann, who my family loves. We've got Ferraris and racing and fast cars. That was great. Now, his mistress is played by Shailene Woodley, who when that casting happened, I was like, oh, there must be some plot explanation for this. Like, maybe she's an American woman he had an affair with. No, she's also Italian. (laughs) Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it doesn't make a lick of sense. That's truly crazy. I was talking about this with Paul as we were leaving the film because he was like, I feel like so many films that I've watched recently sort of end five times before they end. Like there are many points where you're like, oh, that's a good ending. Oh no, that's a good ending. And I said, I feel the opposite. Like thankfully it is not a cradle to the grave biopic, which I think in general Hollywood has stopped doing. Like we're going to pick a certain part of someone's life. Like how Willy Wonka got to the child. (laughs) Well, and blessedly the Bob Dylan biopic is doing that it's like before he was famous great is timothy just like i'm only doing up until someone gets known (laughs) (laughs) those are the stories i want to tell i love that for him also he's apparently using austin butler's vocal coach from elvis to be bob dylan but i kind of don't get it because it's like how do you fake a nasally voice you know what i mean 
Okay, that guy got a lot of shit because of Austin Butler's accent, but he is, I forget his name, but he's done a lot of those, are they GQ or Wired interviews where he critiques other people's accents? I don't think it was that guy. I think it was his singing person. Oh, got it, got it. Oh, how do you I don't think it was the accent person, but how do you have Bob Dylan's voice? Like Elvis, I feel like you could just like put it on. Yeah, exactly. You just did it. But like, I just don't, I don't get it, but... I don't anyway. know. I mean, everyone has an Elvis. Everyone has a Bob Dylan, right? Like, mean, rain, rain. That was great. <laughs> I didn't say it was great. I'm just saying they both have voices that have, in a way, become caricatures. Sure. I just don't get how you fake that. It's like I'm already stressed out about what inevitable future Stevie Nicks biopic will happen. It's like that's another nasal voice. Speaking of which, should we get into the things we're looking forward to in 2024? Yes, there hasn't really been any news. Like nothing has happened in this world for weeks now. I mean, the news that has happened is like news news. And we're not going to talk about that. What are we going to talk about? An earthquake in Japan? Let's talk about the president of Harvard resigning. (laughs) No, thank you. How about we talk about feud Capote versus the swans? Great. Chill, did you know it's been seven years since the first season of Feud, which was Joan versus Betty? I was not even in my 30s yet. That's crazy. Uh, So the Feud is back with Feud, Capote versus the Swans, which is an adaptation of Lawrence Lemur's best-selling book, Capote's Women, A True Story of Love, Betrayal, and a Swan Song for an Era. The show will follow the author's life in New York City throughout the 70s when he was at the height of his fame following the success of In Cold Blood and courted the city's most stylish and wealthy women as his close friends. We've got Naomi Watts as Babe Paley, Diane Lane as Slim Keith, Chloe Sevigny as Cece Guest, Calista Flockhart as Lee Razowell, Demi Moore as Anne Woodward, Molly Ringwall as Joanne Carson, and Tom Hollander as Truman Capote. We will then see the author betray several of his friends by publishing the scandalous 1975 short story La Cote Basque 1965, which exposed his friend's innermost secrets. The first two episodes are expected to drop on January 31st. God bless. I'm so glad there's something to watch. There's been nothing. Other than Young Sheldon. Other Other than Young Sheldon. And The Gilded Age, which we promised to watch so we can talk about on an upcoming VIP episode. Yeah, we're watching The Gilded Age now. Yeah, I hope this one's major. I think Feud, Betty and Joan was like one of the better Ryan Murphy things that's ever happened. I loved that. Well, the trailer just dropped. I did send it to you, but you might have been... No, I watched it. The trailer phrases it as, these are the first housewives, which I think is genius to try to court a Bravo audience of like, don't let the Buffons fool you. Like, there's going to be a (laughs) lot of fighting. No, it's very smart marketing, for sure. I'm also excited about this month, the new season of True Detective, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Also known as the Jodie Foster True Detective. Exactly, because... I loved the first season of True Detective. Of course. That was my whole personality when that show came out. And I don't think without the first season of True Detective, we would have half the amount of like anthology series, limited series that we do now. But they lost me with that Rachel McAdams, Colin Farrell season. 
So I didn't see the Mahershala Ali third season, but now I'm willing to come back for season four because our girl Jodie Foster is playing a detective again, a non-Clarice Sterling detective. You'll follow Jodie Foster anywhere. <laughs> I will. And I think it takes place in Alaska or someplace really cold because there's all these bodies like frozen in chunks of ice and stuff. Looks kind of major. And that comes out on Max in a couple of weeks. You know what that means. Because when Nyad came out, the SAG strike was still going on. SAG strike over. So even more exciting, I think, for you is that we're going to get a Jodie Foster press tour. God bless. If she's on The View, will you just explode? I truly would. I truly would. Also in January, it is Couture Week. And we will finally get to see Simone Rocha's one-off couture collection for Gautier, which I can't remember the last time I've been so excited by something. And just in time for award season. Yeah, I'm truly curious what part of the archive she is going to dig into because I feel like her silhouette is so different than Gautier that I'm just curious to know what elements of his work interest her. Perhaps she'll get nautical. She could get really nautical. And then in February, we don't really have movies and television shows to look forward to, but it is fashion month and we will get Sean McGurr's debut collection for McQueen, which obviously we're very curious about. I'm sure we'll have thoughts on. The worst thing is if we have no thoughts. <laughs> well, and if we don't like it and it's not really hitting, at least Delara Findakulu is back at London Fashion Week. So she will fill the McQueen void no matter what. People that like fashion hate the Kardashians. Thank God Kylie and Kendall commissioned Halloween costumes so that Delaria could put on a fashion show. <laughs> this shit isn't cheap. <laughs> Yeah, Ugh, I'm still upset that she didn't get that McQueen job, but whatever, we got to move on. So in April, Challengers is coming out. We've talked about this before. This is the Luca Guadagnino film starring Zendaya, where she plays a tennis star who does like a devil's threesome situation with some other tennis players. Yeah, I trust Luca Guadagnino to give us the gay stuff we need in film. If the guys aren't kissing, I'm going to be pissed off. Yes, and I'm seeing that my beloved Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are going to do the score as well. And also Jonathan Anderson did the costume, so this is looking like a very highbrow affair. Yes, this was a film that was supposed to come out in the fall. It got pushed to April because of the WGA and SAG strikes, because obviously if you've got Zendaya, you want her to be doing press. April 26, 2024, will we be on tour then? Will we be able to see this? <laughs> or will we have a show that night? We'll go to a matinee somewhere and then in may we get the semi-controversial amy winehouse biopic back to black directed by sam taylor johnson the film will delve into the life and career of winehouse beginning with her early days in the early 2000s as a north london jazz musician and culminating in her rise to fame as a grammy winning singer with hit songs like rehab and back to black okay did you just plagiarize that from deadline no i plagiarized it from wikipedia <laughs> Okay, at least credit Wikipedia. I think it's fascinating that there's been so much backlash to this. And I think that it's just maybe because she's died too recently. Did she? She's died 13 years ago. 
I know, but there's plenty of biopics all the time that are coming out about tragic figures that died under very tragic circumstances. I think what's interesting about the controversy is the ownership that her fans feel about her life and her legacy because her own family did a deal with the studios. Like, this is a biopic sanctioned by her estate. It's not an unauthorized film. So it's interesting that people are mad about that. I guess the idea is no one should make a film about her. Yeah, but who's playing her? An actress named Marissa Albia, Abella. What's she been in? Been in Industry, which is a show we didn't watch, which is an insult to, for loving Lena Dunham, it's a right, show right. we've not watched. She's got the acting bona fides, it would seem. She went to RADA, which is like the Juilliard of England. Okay. Good for her. She was teen talk Barbie. Wait, what? She was evidently in Barbie. She was teen talk Barbie. Was that maybe the reject Barbies? It was definitely a Barbie we saw for like a flash. Wow. Interesting. Also in May, we get Kathleen Hanna's memoir, which is called Rebel Girl, My Life is a Feminist Punk, which I am very much looking forward to. And I think maybe we should do a VIP episode about it. Although I feel like it could be one of those situations like when we talked about Julia Fox's book and it was just like so depressing that we couldn't make jokes. Yeah, but we did. <laughs> you know, it was tough, but we did end up making jokes. I think, you know what, Chell? I'm up to the challenge, if you are. Yeah? You want to make jokes about Lyme's disease? Okay. I'm hyped. Not since Kim Gordon's, like, weirdly dishy memoir have I been this hyped about something. I think it's going to be good. And, like, the term mother is obviously so overused, but, like, growing up in the Pacific Northwest in the 90s, it really felt like she was the mother of punk culture and DIY culture and feminist culture, certainly, at that time. And I would love to know what it was actually like to be in the center of that. Yeah, and I've always been fascinated by her relationship with Ad-Rock, so I would love to know. Yeah, give me uh, give me the deets on that. Also, on a related note, if Courtney Love's memoir does not, at the very least, get a release date this year, I'm going to, what did the kids say, unalive myself? That's terms of service language you have to use so you don't get shadow banned. Yeah, I mean, that is a long gestating. Is it a memoir? Is it a biography? It's a memoir. It's called Girl with the Most Cake. And towards the end of 2022, I remember she posted like a photo of the manuscript on Instagram and was like, I finished my book. I've submitted it to the publisher. That was big news because previously she sued her ghostwriter for being too dishy in the manuscript. Yes. And then she got a different ghostwriter. Harper Collins is publishing this book. So if anyone works there or knows someone that works there, can you please just let me know what is going on with this? I will not share the information publicly just for my own mental health. I just need to know like when I can read this book yeah it can't be an election year and a year we also still don't get the corny love <laughs> yeah horrible in may we have the met gala which we previously talked about the theme chelsea if you remember is sleeping beauties reawakening fashion which will display 250 pieces from the costume institute's permanent collection some of which is so fragile that we actually it won't be displayed but will be shown through video animation light projection ai and cgi which i'm very curious to see what this show is going to look like there's also three main zones of the show, land, sea, and sky, that will pay tribute to the natural world. As I We're said, never getting that Hollywood costume exhibit, are we? 
Never, ever, ever. (laughs) Not while Andrew Bolton is still the head curator, I don't think so. As we previously said, I mean, I would expect the red carpet dress code to be celebrities wearing vintage or just dressing like thoughts. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah, they'll probably release more specific guidelines too, a little closer to the event, but very curious as always. And then evidently nothing we care about is happening over the summer. Really? I can't think of anything. I mean, yeah, same. So what's happening in the fall? We have Joker Falia Du. So incels and reactionary Twitter, get ready. Because on October 4th, the sequel to the billion dollar grossing Joker will debut. And this time, Chell, he's got a girlfriend. That's right. Lady Gaga will be playing Harley Quinn, the longtime love of the Joker. The title uh, Falia Du, also known as shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder, is a rare psychiatric syndrome in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. Is that what we have? Yeah. (laughs) Anyone that hosts a podcast together has Falia Du. But this film is being called a musical thriller, which made me think, I can't think of any other musical thrillers. Maybe like the Phantom of Paradise, which is like the glam rock Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I can't really think of much. So get ready. This film comes out at the beginning of October, just in time for uh, Halloween couples costume parties. I think that Lady Gaga's red carpet looks are going to be incredible for this because I think for Star is Born and House of Gucci, she was trying really hard to like, be an actor. Yes. Like, forget about the fact that I'm a pop star. Take me seriously as an actress. Like, I'm going to dress like Audrey Hepburn and Elizabeth Taylor and do that sort of drag. I hope now that she actually is respected as an actress, she can do something a little edgier for this, you know? Some deconstructed Galliano. Maybe the Victor and Rolf Harlequin collection or something. Just get a little wacky with it. A little method. She's Harlequin on the red carpet as well. Well, I think that... that That is the legacy of the Barbie press tour. You called it the last time we did an episode and we were talking about Oprah in the color purple and as she wore purple to every press event. I wonder if she stopped now. (laughs) (laughs) She's like slauly just, maybe it's like a a mauve and then a blue and then green. You know, she's She's just transition out of it gradually. Yeah, I still haven't seen that, which I also want to see. The other film that I'm curious about for October is Lee Wennell's The Wolfman, mostly because it's not supposed to start shooting until March, and it's evidently coming out October 24th. Lee Wennell did The Invisible Man. This is another, what I imagine... Oh, I loved that movie. Yeah, grounded, modern retelling of the universal monsters. And this time, Christopher Abbott uh, of Girls fame and other films. Wait, who is he on Girls? He's Barney's boyfriend. Oh, okay, yeah. And now he's on The Bear. No, he's not. That's the other one. Oh, that's Marnie's husband. No, no, no. The Christopher Abbott was her college boyfriend. Oh, okay. That she yes, got it. Got and it. Christopher Abbott basically quit girls two seasons in and said a bunch of weird uh, things about Lena Dunham and not wanting to be stuck on a sitcom and whatever. He's made a, a very interesting career for himself. He was in Sanctuary last year, that quasi-BDSM Margaret Qualley trying to break oh, up with your dominatrix film. Right, right, right. And then what else? I mean, there's an election in November, but... <laughs> Let's not talk about that right now. Yeah, there are some other things that don't have release dates, but are definitely of interest to us. 
I can think of Maxine, the third in Ty West horror trilogy. There was X, Pearl, and now Maxine. Can't wait. And yes, I did rip this from IMDb. It follows Maxine, who was the <laughs> sole survivor of the bloody incidents of X as she continues her journey towards fame to be an actress in 1980s Los Angeles. There's no release date. I imagine it will be released in the summer, if not October, which makes a lot of sense. There was a recent test screening in Burbank that said the film was Ty West's homage to Dario Argento. So expect. Great. I love everything about that. Yeah, a very Technicolor Giallo horror film. We also have Maria, the Maria Callas biopic, directed by Pablo Lorraine, who brought us Jackie and Spencer. Love. Honestly, is it going to be as good as the paparazzi photos of Angelina Jolie, though, is what I wonder. Yes, and Angelina Jolie is the famed opera star. I don't know. I feel increasingly with movies that movies are never more exciting than when you see the first press photos or first trailer. (laughs) That was definitely true in uh, the case of, um, what was that movie where What's-His-Face played Robert Smith? What? Sean Penn. He didn't actually play him, but the look was... Yeah. Inspired by. (laughs) 2011, this must be the place. At 50 years of age, former rock star Cheyenne, Sean Penn, still dresses the part and lives in Ireland off royalties and dividends. Okay, I don't... But the weird thing... I actually saw that movie, and the weird thing about it is that all the music was like talking heads. But anyway, this to me is the biggest example of the paparazzi photos being the most exciting thing. Well, I mean, this does seem to be following in the genre of Spencer of a glamorous woman losing her mind over a weekend. It's said to follow uh, Maria Callas' final days in Paris. So it's like Judy also. Yes. If I had to guess, I think this film would debut at like a Venice film festival to kind of announce its award season run. I'm already making that prediction. Like if Angelina Jolie is not nominated for Best Actress, like it's over 2024. (laughs) (laughs) So 2024 is going to be a big year for Anne Hathaway, who I guess is just doing really cool movies now. Like, what happened? I know. She she entered her indie film actress phase. Thank God. And I predict that she is going to be 2024's mother of the year because she has two <laughs> incredible mother of movies coming out. First, there is Mother Mary, which is an A24 film. And according to Deadline, the film will be an epic pop melodrama following a fictional musician played by Anne Hathaway and her relationship with an iconic fashion designer played by Michaela Cole. So basically our new favorite film. Yeah, not sure if this is gay, but definitely sounds kind of gay. And apparently Charlie XCX and Jack Antonoff did the original music for Anne Hathaway. Like, what? (laughs) When I first heard about this movie, I imagined Michaela Cole as the pop star and Anne Hathaway as the fashion designer. So the fact that the reverse is true is kind of blowing my mind, but I'm into it. And I hope that if they have such great people doing the music, that they also have a budget to hire like a major fashion designer to do the fake clothes. I don't know, but I feel like we would have heard about that by now. We'll see. So that is Mother Mary, not to be confused with Mother's Instinct, 
which co-stars Jessica Chastain, again, according to Deadline, set in the early 1960s, it follows best friends and neighbors, Alice, Jessica Chastain, and Celine Anne Hathaway, who live an idyllic traditional lifestyle with manicured lawns, successful husbands, and sons of the same age. Life's perfect harmony is suddenly shattered after a tragic accident, guilt, suspicion, and paranoia combine to unravel their sisterly bond, and a psychological battle of wills begins as the maternal instinct reveals its darker side. Do we think this one's also gay? I don't know. In this one, I think that one of their children dies. So I think it's kind of like a little don't look now vibes. But also this kind of sounds like it could be the May-December of 2024 also. If I had to guess, it might be a little hereditary E in the set. Not that it's like a supernatural thriller, but more maybe both their sons were together and one died and the other survived. Yeah. I don't know. I cannot wait to see both of these mother movies. Good for Anne Hathaway. Also, the movie I want to see most of all is Good Girl, directed by Miss Lauren Garoni. Do you have any updates? The movie is now finished. Okay, can I get a Vimeo link? Like, what the fuck? You will get a Vimeo link. I will be taking you guys through this journey with me because I don't know. The next thing up is getting a sales rep and getting the film So you have no updates. I have no updates. What do you want from me? I have no updates. I do have some thoughts about mounting an independent film as it seems that the entertainment industry is collapsing in on itself, but that's best for the paywall. Those are some VIP thoughts (laughs) at a later date. So that's it. This is what we have to live for. And not a pop culture event more. Just these things. <laughs> well, that just leaves one thing. Kardash, a holics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. You're just a witch, and I hate you. <laughs> what did you think we were not going to talk about the Kardashians in 2024? Yeah, so the Kardashians' Christmas party is always extremely lavish, but this year they constructed what I can only describe as a late-stage capitalism winter wonderland at the grounds at uh, Kim's house in Calabasas. It's basically like... They made L.A. Aspen somehow. You know how. I mean, they brought in ice. (laughs) They also cut down an entire forest, I guess. Well, it does lead one to wonder, right? Because there was sledding, and it's like, what does that look like when it's not covered in fake snow and ice the rest of the year? I think they just have really, like, huge grounds around the house. They do. That might have been where the, the Sunday service went on when she was still with Kanye. Yeah, they definitely had real snow for the sledding, but that had to be fake snow on the trees and stuff, or else it would have melted. You would know with your real tree fake snow. Well, you would know because you've been in LA and it's like, it wasn't cold, was it? No. Exactly. The aerial drone photos of this are shocking, I think. Of her property. Yeah. And I can't help but think of the children, you know? It would literally (laughs) be... No, it would be like growing up in the Palace of Versailles without having any context for like what is going on outside of those walls. Yeah, and it's also, if this is what it looks like, like from the Kardashian side, the the grown children side, all of this is just an escalation from their own extravagance. Christmases from childhood. But it's like, if we're doing co-branded Christmas Eve parties with Babyface when North is nine, like, what happens when North is 18? Oh my god, can you imagine what her, like, 16th birthday party is going to be like? That's actually going to be insane. 13th birthday party. I mean, any of it. Like, 
Yeah. Is life worth living without a custom outfit? I guess Norse wasn't custom. It was a vintage Kanye archive. Yeah, vintage bald man, I assume. Yeah. Some, something to that effect. Yeah, it's crazy. Coke did sponsor it this year, which is a new thing. Because if brands have sponsored the Kardashian Christmas parties in the past, I haven't been so aware of it. Yeah, I read a report that the the new influencer marketing is going to be less obvious branded posts and more just like in the background stuff. I mean, as you know, I'm a Coca-Cola whore. So looking at that didn't exactly make me want to drink a Coca-Cola because that's me all the time. But I guess if you saw that, I just I've never understood how that kind of marketing works in the brain of a consumer. Yeah. Especially with something so well known as Coca-Cola. I mean, good for Chris, like get that party sponsored. Yeah, but I think when it's brands like that, it's actually like whoever has the bigger marketing budget, like just has the more popular soda. And clearly, I don't think the Kardashian-Jenner family is going anywhere near Pepsi after Kendall's disastrous (laughs) ad, so. But we should also note that some prominent guests included Timothee, who was there, well, who was only seen through Landon Barker's post uh, that he took a photo of his dad. And I guess clearly he didn't notice that uh, Timothy was in the background. Yeah. Blue Ivy was there. Paris Hilton. This is my favorite. Sia, who made her first public appearance since getting liposuction and a facelift, I believe, which she's been very transparent about, which I love. Good for her. Not since Mark Jacobs has a celebrity <laughs> been this transparent about their facelift. And uh, yeah. The thing that freaks me out about the Kardashian Christmases in general is I thought that this just happened once, but it seems like habitually for the month of December, Kim just has a man playing piano first thing in the morning for the children. That's delightful. I kind of get that because my next door neighbor plays piano. So it really is the best way to to get in the holiday spirit. There was two notable people that weren't there. Caitlyn, not there. Kanye, Nowhere in sight. Kanye is holed up at a Four Seasons in Miami, and the hotel staff is trying to get him to leave, if page six is to be believed. In other Kanye news, he apologized to the Jewish community via an Instagram post written in Hebrew, and uh, there is some speculation that it was written by ChatGPT. The message said, I sincerely apologize to the Jewish community for any unplanned outburst. Dot, dot, dot. It was not my intent to hurt or disrespect, and I very much regret any pain I may have caused. When I first saw this, I was like, why now? What is he going to sell us? And then, of course, the next day, he announces this Yeezy sock boot thing, this unwearable. I'm so sick of those sock shoes. It doesn't look good on anyone. The Yeezy pod sock shoe, which is also not an easy thing to say. Is that your pod sock shoe? Oh God, terrible. I feel like the best version of this trend was those Bottega Veneta ones that like were knit socks, but they were actually made of leather or something. Well, that's actually inventive and interesting. I feel like this pod sock shoe is kind of like the Cybertruck in the sense that it, it's as if these men are designing things to look like clothing and cars and whatever from films set in the future, but were made in the 90s. Yeah, no, that's true. Tad, of course, put herself on the waiting list for the Cybertruck. So at the Century City Westfield, as I'm sure you know, there is a Tesla showroom and they have a Cybertruck there. And then they have a little Cybertruck ATV. 
Cute. That I was like, all right. Because that also won't bankrupt me if I inevitably back into a pole and need the whole back end of the car replaced. Right, because if you get like one dent, the car is totaled basically because there's no way to fix it. I'm just going off of the Rivian, which people who have gotten into fender benders because the way it's designed, unlike usual cars that have like multiple parts, it's one back piece. And looking at the Cybertruck, it's very similarly designed. Right. I mean, I think you would just have to get a new Cybertruck, honestly. (laughs) Do we want to talk about Bianca in those photos? I mean... I don't know what there is to say. It's like she kind of looks fab, but there's something really sinister and weird about it. Yeah, these photos that Kanye recently posted of his wife, Bianca, in truly barely their clothing. What I more wanted to discuss was the fact that I saw multiple internet comments that were like, wow, he really just uh, copied Kim. Oh, wow, this is really a Kim clone. Well, the face is... The face in the body is Kim, for sure. Sure, but it's also like... The look, no. Yeah, it's also like, Kim never left the house like that. (laughs) No, she didn't. This woman that he's married, she doesn't look happy. It doesn't seem okay. Well, looking happy is kind of like not very fashion. Okay, she doesn't... And she's a Barbie, essentially. Okay, but she doesn't feel okay. (laughs) I don't know. I'd rather have him post photos of his wife in these thoughty outfits than like the kind of shit he usually posts, you know? I saw that Yeezy got a new head designer. Yes, Gosha Rubinchinsky is now the creative director of Yeezy, which makes so much sense. Like Kanye, he has been canceled. Like Kanye, he's kind of a genius, design genius. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, he had an eponymous line that really popped off in like 2008, 2010. He's Russian and he really like tapped into this kind of like, post-war youth culture skinhead soccer player kind of look basically that became really really popular whoa and influenced a lot of brands and dover street market produced his line for years and then he shut it down for whatever reason i think it was one of those situations where he just kind of got sick of being a fashion designer and then during the pandemic he got canceled because this guy posted text messages and was like he tried to groom me but it's kind of a complicated situation because like the texts weren't actually that bad and he claimed that he had been just like trying to cast him for like a show or a photo shoot so he was like send me photos of yourself not like send me explicit photos I don't want to defend it I'm just saying it's one of the more ambiguous me too type cancellation situations so he hasn't really been heard from since then and I'm interested to see what he does because like kind of since he went under it's like it was so I feel like his look was so influential to like a Demna or to so many streetwear brands that I'm curious what he's gonna bring to Yeezy anything is better than the sock pod shoe true who knows he might have already been working on that but it's you know in keeping with Kanye's tradition of Embracing the canceled, you know, like Marilyn Manson, Dove Charney, etc. <laughs> oh, God. Is this going to be a really dark year? I can't tell. Probably. Ugh. See, the problem is whenever we talk about the Kardashians, we always end with Kanye because we never want to put Kanye first. But then it's like the grossest note to go out on. All right, I think we just, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta call it. So I'm going to Australia. Wait, what? <laughs> 
I told you. I'm going to Australia for the next couple of weeks. So unfortunately for the listeners, we're going to have to record one of those remote episodes where it sounds like my audio is coming through a walkie talkie. So look out for that. Also, I had a full panic attack earlier today because I thought that I was going to be on the plane during the Golden Globes. No, I'm not. I didn't do I didn't do the math correctly, but I'm going to land just in time for them. Oh, that's crazy. I was like, you're leaving Friday. No, because it's they're a day ahead. Right. And then it's a 14 hour flight. So days are lost when you do a flight like that. And you certainly can't watch live television on a flight like that. But no, it is happening like As I get in, I'm so excited because with the time difference in Australia, the Golden Globes, I've watched them there before. The Golden Globes are like at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., so I can make a whole day out of it. I hope that customs is a breeze because I can see you having a menti (laughs) bee. You get stuck in line. Until next week. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll see you in person in a couple weeks from now. (laughs) All right, bye, bitch. All right, bye. (laughs) 